Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. to be with y'all this morning. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. You know, we've been going through the book of Colossians and as a church, and so we're going to be there again this morning in Colossians 3. Now, whether you're here in person or watching online, if you've been with us for a while, I know what you're already thinking. You're thinking, man, God is moving. I can sense it. Miracles are happening. Brandon Hayes is not wearing skinny jeans. He's wearing a suit. Man, what is, what is happening here? Now I'm messing with you. Zach told me in the last service, he said, I think you got more applause for that than you thought you would. <laughs> um, so uh, I remember it was 20, didn't really matter, 2014 fall retreat. We took the, some middle schoolers to Capitan, New Mexico, to Fort Lone Tree. Some of y'all have been there. You've taken students there. Um, and it was about a three-day retreat, and we were finishing the retreat, and we have to clean everything up. And uh, so the, the sponsors and the kids are kind of going around cleaning, and the sponsors are mainly trying to give direction on where to clean. And uh, one of the sponsors told some of the middle school guys, I think of sixth graders, he said, hey, now I want you to clean the bathroom really well. Make sure you clean out the sink really well. I want you to even get in there and like scrub the toothpaste out. And with as much excitement and just confidence as they ha- could have, the sixth grade boys looked at that sponsor and said, oh, Mr. Eric, don't worry. We haven't brushed our teeth since we've been here, so there's no toothpaste in the sink. <laughs> and so, of course, he responded with, okay, change of plans. Go brush your teeth <laughs> and then clean out the sink and quit being gross, right? Um, what was interesting, what's funny about that, obviously, is it was lost on them how gross that was. Like that was just like, they were like, of course we haven't brushed our teeth. And it was like five or six of them. It was lost on them that that was not okay. Like not, not acceptable. The reality is we do that with sin, don't we? We, we have what Jerry Bridges, he wrote, you may have read his book, um, The Pursuit of Holiness. And then he wrote another book called, that's what I'm referencing, Respectable Sins. See, in church culture, we have respectable sins, Right? Just to give an example, so if someone says they struggle with pornography, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if they say they gossip occasionally, we're like, ah, we all do that. Right? It's a respectable sin. Okay, obviously, just to be clear, there is no respectable sin. God is never like, ah, cool, that one's fun. I like that one. Or that one's okay. No, there is no respectable sin that's just kind of a culture we've created. What, What does the Bible say about what we would call respectable sins. You know, one of those respectable sins w- would be to kind of have an umbrella term, sins of the mouth, things that you say. What does the Bible say about it? I'm going to pray briefly, and then we're going to dig into the text. Jesus, we really are grateful. Help us not to take for granted that we get to come and Dig into your word. Well, I pray that as I'm preaching that I would not just preach, but you would continue to work in my life. God, we ask and know that like a scalpel, you're gonna take your, like a surgeon with a scalpel, you're gonna take your word and, and dig into our lives this morning. 
And Lord, help us not to push back, but to embrace and know that your hand is good and trustworthy. May we hear from you, God, and help us to respond. It's the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Now we're gonna really kind of be focusing starting in verse eight, but I wanna pick up reading in verse one of chapter three, because I think it's kind of all ties together. He says, if then, and he's saying, and you have, if then you've been raised with Christ, so he's talking to believers, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, and where we're going to pick up today, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. No, no, no. Christ is all and in all. So he he listed all these different sins there, beginning in verse five. And speaking of slander, obscene talk, lying, he says we are to put them to what? To death. That's pretty violent. So he's saying sins of the mouth, ungodly talk, they're not cute, cuddly sins. Oh, it's not a big deal. I tear people down sometimes. I tell dirty jokes. I lie. He says, no, put it to death. It doesn't belong in the believer's life. We're supposed to have a wartime mentality to get serious about killing these sins, ridding them of our lives. That's why he says in verse eight, put them all away. It's the picture of of putting off a garment, so taking off a jacket or whatever clothes and laying them aside because they're not befitting. They're not in style for the Christian, so to speak. They're not supposed to be who you are. So put them away. Slander, obscene talk, and lying. They don't belong in the believer's life. Now, I don't want to overly explain these, but I still think it would be helpful to kind of walk through those three ideas real quick. Uh, And the first one being slander. So slander is when you defame someone's name. You're trying to hurt their reputation. So even if what you're saying is true, if your your goal is to be hurtful, they could still be slander, right? You're trying to belittle them. It's abusive speech. So a couple ways we slander. We slander people when we ascribe to them their motives. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Someone does something, you, have no, you don't even know who they are. You just assume you know why they did it. I know we never do that, right? <laughs> You're slandering when you just, well, you know, I saw them do that. I bet they did it because they're just such a selfish little jerk. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're, you've gone into slander. 
We slander people when someone else is speaking evil of someone. They're belittling them. It's abusive speech. They're condemning them, whatever it may be. They're slandering them. And rather than sticking up and saying, hey, what you're saying is not true. Or what you're saying may be true, but dude, that is not helpful. By just being quiet, you're being complicit. Is that the right word? You're just going with the flow. And in that sense, you're engaging in slander by not confronting that they're actually slandering someone. You know, I know West Texas, I got Gary Beatty in the last service told me, he said, Brandon, you said that West Texas is the same as North Florida. And that's not true. And so he said, there's way more water there. I was like, that's fair. So <laughs> West Texas, North Florida are similar culture, culturally in that uh, it's the South, right? So here's how we slander people in the South. You, you roast somebody, you talk bad about them, you slander them, you to use term for my generation, you throw them under the bus, right? You're speaking evil of them. And then you finish it off with the, but man, but bless their heart, <laughs> right? When you do that, you're doing like what my son Haddon does, which uh, they didn't make it very long in the service. It was a good try. Um, but uh, he, he eats his food and he's mashing it between his fingers and he's rubbing it all over his face and making a huge mess. And then when he finishes, often he'll take his napkin and do this on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> Bro, that does not make up for the monstrosity of a mess you made, right? Adding bless your heart to a bunch of slander doesn't make up for all the slander you just did, right? Adding a, oh, but they're a good guy, doesn't cancel the fact that you just roasted them for however long. Put slander away. The next one, he says, obscene talk. So this would be dirty, unwholesome talk. So automatically when we hear obscene talk in verse eight, we think cussing or cursing, right? And certainly that would fall into this category. But as you realize, you could never say a cuss word and still talk like a, have the mouth of a sailor. You could never say a cuss word and still be full of obscene, dirty talk. Because obscene talk is not just about the words that you use, it's about the content that you're using in your conversation, right? Is it filthy and dirty or is it wholesome? You know, I think often with, with guys, um, with men, we, we like to talk and unwholesome, obscene talk, and then we finish it with, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just messing around. Does it make up for it, right? Put slander away, put obscene talk away. And then he says, not just slander, obscene talk. He says, don't lie to one another. Pastor David sent me a, a quote from Winston Churchill I thought was fun uh, and very true. Winston Churchill said, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. <laughs> lies do spread quickly, right? And sometimes just, I'm thinking about how quickly lies spread. Sometimes Yes, we do. Like, maybe we're a little more manipulative and give thought to a lie, but I don't know about you, but as a, hopefully we're in a similar boat, or maybe you're beyond this. Like as a growing Christian, I don't find myself waking up with like, hmm, what lie am I gonna tell today? It's more so I'm in a conversation and I amaze myself in a bad way of how quickly I'll say something that's not exactly true, but I say it because I want you to think better of me or because maybe I think it'll make for a better story. Anyone else willing to, you know, I won't make you raise your hand and lie, but anyone else give me a little head nod, you know what I'm talking about? 
I, been, I was talking with my friend Walt Barnes one time. He, he's come and spoke at denials and stuff here at the church retreats. That's a danger even as a preacher because Lord willing, as I, as I grow as a preacher, I know what's a good story, what's not a good story. And we were talking, man, you can go a few years and by the end of it, look back and think, I'm not even sure that's the same story because every time I make it a little bit better. That's also known as lying. <laughs> man, I, I think in the church, one of the best, or AKA worst ways we lie is in, on, on Sunday mornings. Walking, how you doing? I'm good, brother. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And went inside, man, you're going through pain. Hey, ma'am, how are you doing? Have you had a good week? Yeah, I'm doing okay. When inside, your heart is broken. Now, I'm not saying we need to do what my generation tends to do and like want to wear all our emotions on our sleeves and let you know how we always feel. But we should learn to be honest with each other. Amen? Amen. If we can't be real with each other and be honest about how we're doing, we're in trouble. He says, don't lie to one another. I think I would add to that, don't, don't tell people, I, mean, I say add to that, meaning like, understanding lying. When you tell people you're going to do something that you have no intention of doing, that's lying. Since we're in church, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. But inside, you know you ain't going to pray for them. <laughs> that's lying. When you lie, even if it's just twisting the truth or just exaggerating a little bit, when you lie, who are you acting like? The devil. The devil. Satan. The father of lies. As a Christian, I don't think it's my goal to act like the father of lies, amen? <laughs> but when you walk in slander, excuse me, when you speak with slander or obscene talk, when, you're, when you lie, you're speaking, you're acting like the devil. That's all he can do is lie. So when you lie, you're acting like him. You're not acting like a child of God. So he says, get rid of these sins. Put them away. Put them to death. Slander, obscene talk, lying. They're not supposed to be part of the believer. Now, if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, but I mean, really, Brandon, you touched on respectable sins, but really, these, these aren't that big of a deal. <laughs> Hopefully you're not thinking that. But if you are, I think three things I, I would push back with and say to you. These aren't in the notes, but it's okay. You can write them down still. <laughs> Three things I would say. Why these are a big deal if we let slander and obscene talk and lying be part of our lives as believers. Number one, it ruins our witness. John 13, 35, Jesus said, talking to his disciples, they, they will know you are my disciples by the way you tear each other down. No, he didn't say that, right? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Man, if we are tearing each other down, if we're having filthy talk, if we're lying to each other to make, our, make ourselves look better or maybe to look someone else worse, we're ruining our witness because the world is gonna know we are followers of Jesus and more than that, they're gonna be attracted, they're gonna be drawn to Jesus as savior when they see our love for each other. This is a big deal because it ruins our witness. Second thing, it breaks our relationships. I know those are similar a little bit, but when we slander, when we talk dirty, when we lie to one another, it breaks our relationships. Seems kind of obvious, but I want to unpack that a little bit. Kind of two thoughts under the idea of, of breaking our relationships. We're not going to turn there, but in the book of Philippians, 
Paul's been talking about the gospel and how he wants believers to join in and sharing the gospel, taking the gospel forward, advancing the kingdom. And in chapter two, he says part of the way they're gonna do that, advance the gospel, is by being unified. That's why in chapter two, he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Man, Paul's saying the gospel going forward, a kingdom mindset, the kingdom being advanced, happens not just through us demanding our way, but through us being unified. And if we're talking down to each other, if we're slandering each other, if we're lying, if we're talking dirty, it breaks those relationships, it breaks the unity, it slows the gospel. Is that a big deal? It's a big deal. Kind of the second thought under breaking our relationships in the book of Ephesians, it says that the body of Christ is knit together and, and Christ is the head and From him, we grow and he nourishes us, but that the body builds itself up in love. So if we're not unified because we're tearing each other down, we're lying to each other, if we're not unified, then we're not gonna grow. So think about this. Your growth as a believer, our growth, I don't necessarily mean numerically, but our spiritual growth as a church is directly linked with how we talk. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, That's a big deal. I want the words that we, forget me, God wants the words that we use and how we speak to each other to help us grow individually and as a church. This is a big deal. So it ruins our witness, it breaks our relationships. And the third thing, I think it all be summed up in the word identity of why this is a big deal. Identity. What I love here in this passage is God didn't just tell Paul, write these things down, just tell him to do it. It's full of reasons of why we should put off these sins. Look back at verse nine with me. He says, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So he's saying, he's referencing earlier in chapter two where that when Christ died on the cross, when he paid the price for our sins, The barrier of sin between us and God was removed. He paid the price that could be stripped away so that now we can have a relationship with God. Amen? We can be free from our sins. So our old self does not control us. I'm I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. So he says, in Christ, you've put off the old self and its practices, that old way of living, and you've put on the new self. So you have this new nature in Christ. Now question, are we perfect yet on this earth? No, good answer, right? We're being, the rest of verse 10, we're being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we're being sanctified. It's the process of being made more like Jesus. So the old self has been put off. I have this new nature in Christ, but I'm still in this already but not yet state of I'm growing but I'm still struggling I'm being renewed I don't want to hinder that process he's teaching me to know him and know how to please him and know how to love him more and then it kind of culminates in verse 11 here in the body of believers there is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave 
free, but Christ is all and in all. So Paul's acknowledging being in Christ doesn't completely obliterate or cancel your like personal human identity. But he is saying, as a Christian, that what matters more than anything for your identity, what matters more than your race, your ethnicity, your background, your cultural, your socio, socioeconomic status, what matters more than anything about who you are as a person is your identity in Christ, amen. That's why he says, but Christ is all and in all. He says, what matters most about you, none of these things don't matter at all, but what matters most about you is that you have a new identity in Christ. So why is this, again, the number three, why is this such a big deal? Ruins our witness, breaks our relationships. And number three, we have a new identity in Christ. When I'm speaking filthy language, I'm slandering, when I'm lying, I'm living in the old life. I'm not reflecting this new life in Christ that I've been raised and have a relationship with Jesus. Then I would uh, demonstrate that. Don't ask why I have this jacket or why I have the accompanying pants at home. Maybe I'll wear this suit next week. What do you guys think? Just kidding. (laughs) Give me just a minute here. So what he's saying is when we choose to live in sin and slander and talk dirty and Chuck's really small and uh, lie, it's like putting on our old clothes. Looks good, doesn't it? (laughs) When we choose to slander and have ungodly speech, it doesn't go well as a believer. (laughs) There's something unbecoming. It doesn't look right. If God's given us New clothes, out with the skinny jeans, on with the suit. Just kidding. (laughs) Why would we go back to old clothes that aren't befitting, that don't match? It sends a confusing message. Like, had I walked out on the platform with this on this morning, I'd have been like, what? You would have been slandering me, right? You're like, like, amen, yeah. What is he wearing? What is he doing? Because it it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go. As a believer, when you walk around Cousin people out, slandering, lying. People look at your life and they're like, something doesn't add up there. Something's not right. You're not reflecting your new nature in Christ. So God through Paul is saying, get rid of it. And don't like, do like you do with, like, like you want to do with your sins and just, you know, hey, that was a, enjoy that message Sunday. God spoke to me. And then tuck your sin away to go retrieve it on Monday. He says, no, kill it. Get rid of it. Put it to death out with the old and in with the new. Out with the old, in with the new. Get rid of that filthy talk. Now, wouldn't it be nice if, okay, hear you, hear God's word, go home and you could just like go to the cupboard. Cupboard, do people say cupboard anymore? Maybe not. People are shaking their heads now. (laughs) Or go to your closet and if you could just go grab like, some box of like dirty words or lying words and just like, all right, God, I'm taking them to the dumpster. I'm getting rid of them. Wouldn't that be nice and easy? That's not how it works. Or like if you could just hit your smartwatch and be like, never cuss, never slander, never lie. Check, done. Like, you can't do that. So how do you do this? I want to, in a little bit of time we have left, walk through, I think, six things that are helpful in putting those sins away. Because sticks and stones do hurt. And you know what? Words hurt too. 
It's time we get better as Christians. So number one, if I can get down here, number one is talk less. Seems very spiritual, right? <laughs> it actually is though. Proverbs 10, 19 says that when words are many, transgression is not lacking. I love, Solomon's pretty funny. Like, hey, the more you talk, the more likely you're gonna sin. More, more likely you're gonna say something you shouldn't. So talk less. Lauren and I, my wife and I went out little July 4th festivities on, what was July 3rd, I guess, on Friday and went uh, to the gun range, did a little shooting. And uh, man, you can blame it on me growing up in Florida, but I still gotta, I gotta work on my pistol shooting, all right? I'm not great yet. Um, but we're at the range and the times where I would just like fire off rounds really, really fast, I was kind of all over the target. Again, I wasn't born in Texas, I'm sorry. The times where I slowed down was careful one at a time, I was, I was pretty good. You know, your words are like that. When you just fire off a bunch of words, you leave a conversation and you're like, oh, I did not hit the target. But when you're careful and slow down, that's why James 1, is it 119? Yeah, uh, 119 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Yeah, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So it's, it's slowing down a little bit. I think, I mentioned this in the venue talking about anger a week or two ago, but like, um, I think with our words, it should be using the gun metaphor again or shooting metaphor again. You know, when you go shooting, it should be ready, aim, then fire. With our words, we like to ready, fire, aim, right? We get out of order. No, talk less, talk slowly, let God speak through you. That was number one. Number two, change what comes out by what goes in. Change what comes out by what goes in. Is it any surprise if we're constantly feeling ourselves listening to whatever kind of music, watching whatever kind of media, even including the news, I would say, if we're watching the world's standards of communication all the time, should we be surprised that we begin to talk like the world? No, we shouldn't be. If I want to change what comes out of my mouth, I have to change what goes in. I, I can think of a really good way to change what goes in. It's right here. <laughs> Dig into scripture. May you say that every time because it's true. As you dig into God's word, it's going to change your heart. Number three, consider whether it is helpful or hurtful. I mentioned this earlier. I alluded to it. Um, even if something is true, it doesn't mean you have to say it. Now, we want to stand for the gospel. We want to stand for truth. But just because something you know about someone is true doesn't mean you have to say it. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Where am I getting that from? Uh, in Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no corrupting words come out of your mouth, but only what is um, helpful for building each other up. I don't want to hurt people. I want to build them up. Is it helpful or hurtful? Number four, remember the grace you've been shown. Remember the grace you've been shown. I'm going to flip there just so I don't mess up the quote. But in Ephesians 4, this is just a little down from what I referenced in verse 29. Ephesians 4, 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, and here's our word, slander, be put away from you. So get rid of it, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So he's linking putting away slander, and even thinking about our passage, putting away dirty talk, 
um, lying, putting those things away, he links it in Ephesians with you've been forgiven. Don't go around talking mess about people, like uh, slandering them, abusive speech. Don't go around lying. Don't go around talking dirty because you've been forgiven. So often we want to put other people down because we're angry at them. We're mad about something they did to us. And the Lord takes our excuse away because he says, hey, I forgive, I've forgiven you. You should forgive them. Yeah, but you don't, you don't know what they did. And God's like, do you want to start with what you did to me? <laughs> put it away. Remember the grace you've been given. And I think that really is the heart of, of all of uh, up to this point in Colossians of men, verse or chapter three, you should live this way because of who Jesus is. Chapters one through two, he talks about who Jesus is and the forgiveness we have in him and the new life we have in him. So because of who Jesus is, here's how your life should change. Remember the grace you've been given. Number four, sorry, number five, that was number four. Number five is repent for the fruit and the root. Uh, I've used, as we've been going through this kind of slower, uh, as we've slowed down in this Colossians series, I've used this a couple times, but I think it applies again. Repent for the fruit and the root. When I say fruit, I'm talking about slander, dirty talk, lying. That's the fruit. But the root is something deeper. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 6.45 says, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then in Psalm 19.14, the psalmist is praying, says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this link between the words that you use, how you talk, and your heart. So if I have hateful, hurtful, dirty, lying speech, that shows something's wrong with my heart, right? I don't just have a mouth problem, I have a heart problem. To unpack that a little bit further, often my wanting to see someone, their reputation hurt, me wanting to lie to somebody, I would say really probably 100% of the time is because of idolatry. Again, a heart problem. Here's what I mean. Colin, can I pick, not pick on you, can I pick you? Okay, I, I picked on Zach last service. I gotta change it up. If I were to, to make fun of Colin and put him down, it's probably because I want people to think more of me. I want you to think little of Colin because I want you to like me a lot, right? Or if Colin, we'll flip it. If Colin asked me, Dude, how are you doing? Are you struggling with that? How, how are your, how's your life there? And if I'm like, dude, things are great. Things are good. I'm not struggling with that. And I lie to him. I'm lying to him because I want him to think I'm awesome, right? That is called love of self, which is idolatry. Idolatry is really loving something more than God because you fail to see how lovely God is. So here's what I want us to see. When, when we're lying, when we're putting people down with slander, often it's just a reflection that I am loving myself more than I am loving God. Repent for the fruit and the root. Right here. I want, uh, Romans done a promise. I want to read this quote from John Owen. He's a, he was a, not is, he was a theologian in the six, 1600s in England. He was an academic administrator at Oxford. He says, 
To respond to the distorting nature of sin, you must set your affections on the beauty and glory of God, the loveliness of Christ, and the wonder of the gospel. Were our affections filled, taken up, and possessed with these things, with God, what access could sin with its painted pleasures, with its sugared poisons, with its envenomed baits have into our souls? Resisting sin comes not by deadening your affections, but by awakening them to God himself. Do not seek to empty your cup as a way to avoid sin, but rather seek to fill it up with the spirit of life. So there is no longer room for sin. Man, if I want to put away dirty talk, slander, and lying from my life, from my mouth, I need to turn my heart towards Jesus to worship. Amen? It's funny how... Most things tie back to worship. When I get my worship right, I get my mouth right. One more. Saved the most simple maybe for the last. Number six, ask God for help. <laughs> Here's the cool thing about Christianity. When you get saved, God doesn't just say, all right, Brandon, man up, good luck. Which he does say, Brandon, man up and like get it together. But he says, I'm gonna help you too, Right? I got you. I'm going to be working in you and through you to change you. So why don't we ask him for help? I love one of my favorite verses, Psalm 141.3. I think it's kind of funny, actually. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. He's praying, if I could like uh, maybe put it in modern Brandon Hayes terms. He's saying, God, be the bouncer of my mouth. Don't let words come out of my mouth that don't represent you. If they try to come out of my mouth, God, throw them to the street, throw them to the curb. Be the bouncer of my life. Man, how different would your family, would your workplace, would your life be? If, let me phrase that. Would our lives be if we said every day, God, keep watch over my mouth. Set a guard over my lips because I don't want to say anything that doesn't point people to you. If there was ever a time that people, and our nation particularly, needed God's people to speak not words of slander, but words of healing. Not words of filth and dirty, but words that are beautiful and point people to Jesus. Not words that are lying, but the truth of the gospel. If there was ever a time, it is right now. Man, may we as Southcrest begin to put off the sins of slander, obscene talk, and lying. And may our words be like a river flowing in a wasteland that as our words go through the wasteland, they bring life and healing and hope. May it be out with the old, in with the new. We're gonna enter a brief time of response. And if you would just bow your head right where you're at, I wanna lead you to think about a couple of things I'm going to assume, I think it's a safe assumption, probably all of us need, need to do some repenting here. God, forgive me for the way that I've spoken. Forgive me for pointing people to myself with my words and not you. Forgive me for speaking dirty. Forgive me for putting other people down. Give you a moment just to maybe ask God to forgive you. I know I need to do that. I want you to consider, is there somebody you need to apologize to because of slander, because you've lied to them? 
Maybe, and men, maybe we've not spoken well in front of our families. Maybe we've not pointed our families to Jesus by the words we've used. Maybe we need to apologize to our families. And I want you to consider, is there one of those six that we walked through, those six things that maybe you could work on? Maybe like me, maybe you need to work on all of them. But is there one of those six application points that you would want to talk with God about for a second? Say, Jesus, I, w- I really want to get better at this. Help me to, to work on that one point this week. And maybe write it down as just kind of a commitment between you and the Lord. Believers, while y'all are still talking and praying it, I know it's possible that as you're maybe watching online this morning or here in the room that maybe you're here because you didn't have anything better to do or your family member brought you or you're watching online because you're looking for some answers. The reality is you just trying to clean up your talk without having a relationship with Jesus is like cleaning the outside of a dish. It looks good, but it's actually still gross. It's actually still covered in filth. So I want to invite you this morning, really God is inviting you this morning to place your faith and trust in him to turn from your sins. How is that possible? It's possible because Colossians 2 teaches us Jesus left heaven's throne and came and paid the price for your sins and my sins. He died on the cross and then he rose again, conquering death and hell in the grave. And because of that, he offers us a new relationship with him. We we no longer have to be dead in our sins. We can be alive to a relationship with God. And all you need to do, it's not easy, but it's simple. Turn from your sins and turn to Jesus for salvation. Say, Jesus, I believe in who you are. And I I want to confess you as my Lord. I want to follow you and for you to be in charge of my life. And if you're making that prayer this morning, if God is calling you to himself, we want to rejoice with you. And so if you've made that prayer here in the room, I'm going to ask that after the service, you find one of our pastors down front and talk to him. Or if you're watching online, click that connect button or even shoot us a message on Facebook. If, if, or maybe you just had whatever kind of response or want some prayer, we would love to connect with you that way. I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would help us to have lasting change in this area and then uh, we'll almost be done. God, thank you for being so gracious to us. And Lord, may our speech as believers reflect who you are as a savior, as our savior, as the savior. God, we pray that we would have lasting change, that we wouldn't clean up and get rid of filthy talk for just a little bit, but God, that it would be lasting change founded upon your grace and continued by your Holy Spirit working in our lives. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.